Hi, I'm Jim White from the Southwest Church of Christ. Welcome to our weekly Bible study. Uh, this is the last in the series that we've been doing on humility, how to get your humble button, uh, Jesus' teachings about humility. And uh, I know Franklin Wood will be starting a class, not sure when, but uh, be watching, be listening for the announcement concerning that. This is the last in the series of our uh, class on humility from the Beatitudes. I, I kind of hate to see it come to an end, but uh, uh, that's uh, all good things must come to an end, I guess. But I hope you've benefited from this study as much as I have. And uh, it's always the case when a teacher teaches something, he or she ends up getting more out of it than the, the students do. And uh, uh, so thank you for being with us. I hope you've been through this whole series with me. And, um, and we'll have to do something similar to it uh, someday soon. In Luke chapter 5, starting in verse 31, it says, And Jesus answered them, Those who are well have no need of a physician, but those who are sick. I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. Jesus' call, as he says in there, is not for those who are uh, doing well in their Christian life necessarily, for those who are uh, got it all together. He says, I've come for those who are sick. Uh, and when we look at the Beatitudes and when we see the Beatitudes <clears throat> and we think about them, that they really apply to us then we'll really see what our condition is before the Lord. Just uh, lay it out there. We are sinners. And so when you look at ourselves as sinners, you, you realize that you're in good company. Even the Apostle Paul, uh, as early as about 54 AD, he called himself the least of the apostles. A little bit later, in about 62, in Ephesians chapter 3 and verse 8, he says, Although I am the least of all the Lord's people, this grace was given to me to preach to the Gentiles the boundless riches of Christ. So he calls himself the least of the apostles. He says, I'm the least of all the Lord's people. And then a little bit later, about a year later, he says in 1 Timothy chapter 1 and verse 15, he says, God came into this world to save sinners, of whom I am chief. So you look at that and you say, well, was Paul regressing in all of this? I mean, he goes from 54 AD to 62 to 63 or 64, calling himself the least of the apostles and then uh, the least of the Lord's people and then the chief sinners, chief of sinners. No, he was really growing in humility. And I think that as we see ourselves, as we continue to see ourselves as we really are, we will uh, undergo the same regression. There are two basic traits or characters of the Christian. One is the one we've been talking about all this time, and that is the trait, the, the, the characteristic 
of humility. And the second is very simply love. To love one another. We're going to talk about that here in just a moment. And as we've gone through the Beatitudes, we've probably seen ourselves as we really are. At least that's been my goal. Is for us to, to see ourselves before God as, as sinners, as, as who we really are. And if we can really understand that, if we really come to grips with our condition in Christ Jesus, then that's really the beginning of humility. It's a great sign of humility. So uh, the question comes, how do we become, or how do we keep from becoming discouraged in the middle of all this? When we see ourselves and we say, oh no, I am, I, I am just a sinner. I am low, low, low. Well, the way we keep from being discouraged is by latching on to the good news. The good news of the gospel. Our sins are forgiven. The gospel is not only for you to become a Christian, but it's for you to walk in that Christian life. To, to live as a Christian should live. Oh, I'm not saying that we've achieved it. I'm not saying that, that eventually you're going to get there because you're not. But I'm telling you, God wants us to keep moving. He wants us to keep striving towards that standard that Jesus left for us. And somebody might say, well, I'm striving for that, but God keeps moving the standard. No, God hasn't moved the standard in fact, God is the same yesterday, today, and tomorrow. And so he's leaving a place for you to grow, to continue to become. If you'll turn to Galatians chapter 3. In Galatians chapter 3 and verse 10, we have this verse. He says, for all who rely on the works of the law of the law are under a curse. As it is written, cursed is everyone who does, does not continue to do everything written in the book of the law. To do everything. Other translations use the term all things, which is really an absolute phrase. He doesn't say uh, to everyone who does not continue to do some of the things written in the book. He says everything. He says all things. And so the more you grow, the more you'll see your need to grow. And, and here he says, if you try to keep the law, you try to continue to do this, and you want to obey that old law, then you've got to keep everything. All is this absolute term. There's nothing left out. It's without exception. We have the works of the law, the laws of the Old Testament. And I mean, there were hundreds of them that God gave to the Jewish people. And they, they thought, well, uh, if God gives us these, 
then let's come up with uh, an explanation of all of those. And so they wrote another book to come up with all the, uh, the things. I, I always describe it this way. Um, and, and you've probably heard me use this illustration before. We go to camp and, uh, you know, camps in the summertime and, uh, and, and the board has set some kind of standard for, for dress. And, and the standard may say something uh, to the effect of, we want everyone to dress decently and modestly. And so what happens then? Well, well, what does that mean? Because my standard of decency and modesty is different than this person's standard of decency and modesty. And so then we have to start getting specific. Then we have to start saying, well, you can't wear your shorts longer than this, and you can't wear the spaghetti straps, and you can't do this, and you can't do that. And that's kind of what happened to the Jewish nation, to the Israelites. God laid down Ten Commandments, and he said, listen, this is what I want. I don't want you to take the Lord's name in vain. I don't want you to covet. I don't want you to commit adultery. I don't want you to murder. And so then the Jewish nation came up. They said, well, what God really means on this and what he really means about uh, keeping the Sabbath and making it holy. And they added layer upon layer upon layer upon layer until it was almost impossible to keep. Jesus comes along, and in Matthew chapter 22, he sums it all up, and he makes it very simple. I'm, I'm one of those kind of people that, that has to have it simple. Uh, I'm not the, the brightest bulb in the pack, and so I need to break it down to the simplest forms. Well, Jesus does that in Matthew chapter 22, starting in verse 37. Hearing that Jesus had silenced the Sadducees, this is verse 34, the Pharisees got together and one of them, an expert in the law, tested him with this question. Teacher, which is the greatest commandment in the law? Now I want you to think about that for just a moment. The greatest commandment. I know what we do. We say, well, all the commands are equal. Not according to what this passage says. Because Jesus says, as we continue in verse 37, Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. And the second one is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself and all the law and the prophets hang on these two commandments. Now, at the outset of our study today, you remember I said, what are, what are the characteristics? What are the two main characteristics of what the Christian, uh, Christian's life should look like? And the first one we said was humility. And we've, we're, we, we have been doing this study from the Beatitudes for several weeks now, and we can see when we see who we really are in light of Jesus, it brings us to our knees. And so the first trait is that humility trait. But then he says, the second one is to love God with everything you have. And while you're at it, love your neighbor as yourself. And before you go 
too far on the love your neighbor as yourself, consider how much you love yourself. There's nothing wrong with that. The problem comes when we love ourselves too much. But, but when you get hungry, what do you do? You eat. When you get dirty, well, some of you, uh, take a shower. Um, you know, you, you take care of yourself. You do the proper grooming. You get enough sleep at night. You really care about yourself and your health. And he says, what I want you to do is to love your neighbor as yourself. Nothing wrong with that at all, is there? Once, or only, only one person ever reached this ideal. And that is Jesus Christ himself. And he will be the only one who ever reaches it. In 2 Corinthians chapter 5, and verse 21, it says he knew no sin. In Hebrews chapter 4, and verse 15, it says... He was tempted as we are, and yet was without sin. In chapter uh, 2 of 1 Peter, this time in verse 22, he says, well, actually, that's, that's what he committed no sin. That's what 1 Peter chapter 2 and verse 22. And, and I thought about this as I was getting this lesson together. Peter was with Jesus for three years. He saw him in his, in his, you know, good times and bad times. And yet he was without sin. Peter never saw Jesus' sin. What a tremendous example that was. And then in 1 John chapter 3 and verse 5, it says, In him there is no sin. And again, this is an apostle, the apostle John, who was with him for three years. Never saw him sin. Well, the message that we proclaim, the good news that we proclaim, and, and that's what gospel means, by the way, is good news. But the message we proclaim is your sins are forgiven. Now, is it because of anything that you've done? No, not at all but it's because of everything that he has done. He served as the, the sacrifice for our sins. He was the, the, the Passover lamb for us. And it's only through his grace uh, that, that, that we have salvation. And, and I want to tell you something. Some people feel extremely guilty about that. But I don't want you to be that way. I want you to say, that's good news. It takes us from arrogance to unworthiness to humility. One of the things that, that I have done recently, and I don't mean I, I, I did this. I'm not trying to put you know, glory on me. This congregation here actually collected money. I just happened to be the messenger. We collected uh, some money for a, for a man and his family. Uh, we don't even know the man. Uh, I just happened to get a phone call from somebody that I knew, and they knew this person, and they were coming to Omaha for, for the man to get a, 
a kidney transplant. If he doesn't have the kidney transplant, he dies. And so, as is always the case, this congregation stepped forward and we collected money, even in the midst of the really, really cold weather that we had. And I, I was able to take it down to them and they were able to use it for, for hotels, for food, for different things like that. And I, I was able to go again yesterday because we still had a little bit more money and, and uh, somebody had, had, had made them a cake. And, and when I took it to them, when I, I gave them this stuff, Melissa, the, the, the wife, she just said, I am so humble. I am humbled by this. Did they really deserve that? Eh. In, in our eyes, yes, they did. But in their eyes, they didn't. And isn't that the essence of where we are? Isn't that kind of about our lives? Here we are, we, we, we are sinners. We've seen that by, by looking at these passages in, in the Beatitudes. And yet we still have our sins forgiven. We don't deserve that. And we're humbled by it. This gospel that we talk about here is what helps us to live in humility. One of the things that it does is it frees us to be honest with who we are. Remember Paul? Remember his life? Remember uh, what he did? He was there at the, the, the tending the coats there uh, at the stoning of Stephen. And I saw a thing the other day on, on the internet and I thought this was so cool. It says, those whom Paul persecuted cheered when he entered heaven. Ah, that, that sounds chills up your spine, doesn't it? That those whom Paul drug into, into court and got letters and, and, and literally just persecuted them, they're happy to see that Paul was saved by grace. It helps us to be honest and thankful. In Isaiah chapter 53 and verse 6, it says, All we like sheep have gone astray, and we have turned every one to his own way. And the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. There's no reason for us to become arrogant in all of this. There's no reason for us to to uh, to be cocky, to be um, proud necessarily, and, and by proud I mean walk around saying, "Hey, I'm I'm saved and you're not." What this does is is makes us honest people to realize that we do not deserve the grace and mercy that God gives. It also shows other people's sins in light of our own. We tend to be pretty judgmental sometimes. We tend to, to, uh, to judge other people's sins. In fact, I, I'm, uh, I'm always interested in, in the fact that we can always find somebody who's worse than we are. 
we can always point at somebody and say, oh, I may, I may be a sinner, I may live a bad life, but I'm not as bad as he is. Uh, when we understand this humility, we know, and, and, and it helps us not to look at someone else's life. But if, if we want to compare our lives to someone, let's compare it to Jesus. The Puritans have a saying. They say the proud or self-righteous person is so busy judging the sins of other people that he or she has no time to see the sins of his or own heart. Meanwhile, the humble person is so busy dealing with his or her own sins that he or she has no time to judge the sins of others. I like that. I think that's a, an excellent way of looking at this. The person that understands what, what our sin did doesn't have time to think about the other people. But the third thing, the gospel helps us with meekness and mercy. Remember the parable of the unmerciful servant? The man who owed his master uh, just millions of dollars. And the master says, let's, let's throw him in jail. And the, and, the, and the guy falls on his knees and begs him. And, and the master has pity on him and releases him, forgives the debt. And so the servant goes out and he, he starts uh, taking it out on other people that owe him money and makes them pay up. Uh, we see ourselves in the middle of that, don't we? We see ourselves in, in judging the fact that even though our sins are forgiven, we want God to take care of them. And that's not humility. But it also motivates us to live a life of purity. If you've been around me long enough, you know I, I love the old time hymns. And there's an old hymn that we used to sing called, My Faith Looks Up to Thee. And the words say, Take all my guilt away. Oh, let me from this day be wholly thine. We strive for purity. We strive to be like Jesus. That's the whole point of, of our humility and trying to be like Jesus. In 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and verse 21, the, the Bible says, God made him who had no sin to be sin for us so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. In Psalms, Psalm 103.12 says, As far as the east is from the west, so far does the trans, uh, transgressions, does he take our transgressions from us. In Isaiah chapter 1 and verse 18, it says, Though your sins be as scarlet, they shall be as white as wool. And in Micah chapter 7 and verse 19, he says, you will have compassion on us and you will tread our sins underfoot and hurl our iniquities 
into the depths of the sea. That's good news. That's exactly the kind of news that we need. So as we bring this study to a conclusion, let me do this one more time. We started off our study by reading the Beatitudes. I want us to end by reading the Beatitudes. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. Blessed are the merciful, for they will be shown mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called children of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when people insult you, persecute you, and falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me. Rejoice and be glad, because great is your reward in heaven. For in the same way they persecuted the prophets who were before you. I hope you've learned a lot about humility in this study. And I hope that you take it and put it in your life. Thanks for being a part of this class. God bless you. And I pray that you have a good day.